0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Haley Wooden, executive editor at BIV. It's Earth Day today, though increasingly politicians, businesses, organizations, and consumers think about the health of the planet every single day, factoring climate change into decisions around where to invest, where to live, and what to buy. What I want to focus on today, though, is on those politicians, specifically the climate-related commitments that were in or were not in both the federal and BC budgets that were released earlier this week. I'm joined today by Karen Tam Wu, Regional Director for BC at the Pembina Institute. Karen, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Haley. Why don't we start with the BC budget? It's it's a little bit more recent, not by much. Uh, A lot in the budget for a broad range of sectors, but how much in the budget really focused on that sustainability or climate piece?
1: Well, I think it's important to recognize that fresh uh, and at the forefront of everyone's mind right now is we're still in the midst of the pandemic. So. Obviously, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel with vaccines coming uh, online and going into people's arms, but it's still very much the, the acute issue that everyone is paying attention to and, and also putting money towards. So the BC budget was heavy on COVID recovery. Uh, I think thinking back to around this time last year and uh, as as uh, not as far back, but to this fall, the BC government did put out Um, project out that recovery did have to include uh, a climate lens and and rebuilding back better and rebuilding a clean economy. Um, They did put out their uh, stronger BC budget uh, in the fall, and in that was uh, $220 million that went towards climate initiatives out of a total of $1.5 billion for uh, economic recovery. Um, And then in this uh, past Tuesday's budget, they built on those initiatives and put an additional $500 million towards climate initiatives. Um, So they're not necessarily new initiatives, but it's building on previous ones. One of the things that we're particularly excited about um, is $60 million from the provincial government bolstered by a $35 million injection from the federal government to establish a center for innovation and clean energy. Um, Also they announced $500 million for a strategic investment fund. And from what we can understand from this fund, it's a way for the B.C. government to invest in some small and medium-sized businesses um, in order for them to scale up and to advance reconciliation and diversity and inclusion goals as well as climate goals. So there's a few interesting initiatives specific to um, advancing the goals of clean technology and clean energy companies in B.C., obviously those are going to provide some really good opportunities for well-paying jobs and making sure that BC can capitalize on our clean technology uh, and clean technology businesses that have currently found themselves here in BC. But But the next part of the puzzle is really to get them to grow and expand and become competitive and global players in the clean energy future. I think one of the things that we would have liked to have seen more of is Um, increased uh, interest in building retrofits. This is an area that we think is a huge potential for uh, businesses and jobs in BC, both from from supply chain and manufacturing all the way through to folks who um, are designing green buildings and green homes, making them more energy efficient and using low carbon or non-fossil fuel-based sources of heating all the way to those who are wielding the hammers and nails to build those homes and and retrofit them. So that that is one area that we think is a missed opportunity.
0: And I understand retrofitting is also part of the federal budget as well. Uh, Before I ask you about the federal budget, how important is sort of a a comprehensive retrofitting plan to Canada meeting its climate goals?
1: Uh, Our homes and buildings are a source of emissions, about 12% in Canada, about 10% in British Columbia. Um, it's not necessarily something that we think about but obviously when we when we turn that dial to heat our homes or or um, uh, that is a source of, of emissions because the, most of our homes in canada are heated with natural gas some are still heated by by oil um, and it's not necessarily something that we think about so switching out our natural gas furnaces for electric sources of heating like heat pumps is is one key thing but heat pumps are not the most um, accessible in terms of cost to most most Canadians. So we need to start finding ways to incentivize those choices, whether it's through government rebates, for example. Uh, and then the more people that adopt them, they'll become the niche will then become the norm. And so the price of the of heat pumps and that kind of technology will come down.
0: And I think we often perhaps think about, you know, lead standards or other standards for new buildings, but it's easy to forget about. Obviously, most of our housing in Canada is already built and a lot of it is quite old and perhaps not up to the standards we would expect of new buildings today.
1: Exactly. And and we do need to be um, retrofitting homes and buildings um, at an unprecedented scale right now, if we are to reduce our emissions overall um, at a federal perspective, from a federal perspective, obviously. but um, just to give you a sense, in British Columbia, we need to be uh, upgrading our homes and buildings on the rate of about 80,000 homes and apartments every year if we're going to hit our climate targets.
0: That's massive. Uh, that is, is there, massive <laughs> it, so you mentioned rebates that's a piece of it, but do you think more needs to be done to like does it come down to the consumer and the homeowner to make these decisions and is there maybe a role for regulation or legislation to that effect
1: well the the governments have been have been um, establishing rebate programs I think the thing is that a lot of people aren't thinking about what kinds of um, uh, technologies or what kinds of changes do I need to be making in my home? A lot of times, when we think about home improvements, it's I want to slap on some new paint. I want to get stainless steel appliances, um, but it's not necessarily thinking about the mechanics uh, behind the house. It's it's just not the the forefront of people's minds in the same way of uh, in choosing a new car can be. Um, I think that a lot of times when we think about what the icon of of making a clean or climate friendly choice is, I'm, I'm buying electric vehicles, my next vehicle, not I'm, I'm installing an electric heat pump in my home. Um, so awareness is one thing. Um, I, I, the rebates are there, but the, the cost differential is still quite high. So that's an issue. Um, also, familiarity of contractors of the different types of heating systems is not Um, As as up to up to speed as could be a lot of contractors are still pushing out gas furnaces and um, I think that there needs to be more familiarity of electric heat pumps and making sure that they're properly installed Um, and what kinds of heat pumps that are available uh, on the market is also an important part of the puzzle as well.
0: That's very interesting. Um, I want to ask you more broadly about Ottawa's budget. What was in there that you find uh, particularly inspiring or helpful to Canada meeting its climate related targets and what maybe wasn't in the budget that you would have liked to have seen?
1: Well, overall, um, I think it's easy to say we wish there had been more. Uh, but there, ha- there is unprecedented amount of spending in the federal budget, no doubt. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to undermine how much um, has been identified. But there's also a need to understand a bit more of the details of what was, uh, what was announced on Monday. Um, so to give you a flavor, 4.4 billion dollars going towards building retrofits. So that is huge. Um, but to put that in perspective, as I had said, how many. Um, how many how many buildings need to be upgraded over the next um, few few years or a couple of decades to in in order to ensure that we meet our climate targets? It is a huge effort that is needed, and we're actually ho- we're hoping that there is um, on the order of or on the order of ten billion dollars needs to be invested, not necessarily from public money altogether, but. We need to be able to secure that that order of money in order to make sure that our buildings are retrofit. And with that comes hundreds uh, of thousands of jobs, 127,000 jobs could could be um, uh, promoted in that level of investment. Um, The federal government also put in $5 billion for a net zero accelerator. That's in addition to $3 billion, which was announced in their climate plan. So a total of $8 billion for net zero acceleration. Um, Under that are things like uh, three pillars, actually, to develop and adopt clean technology solutions, to support clean tech in Canada's aerospace and automobile manufacturing, and thirdly, to develop battery innovation. So those are some big ticket items. Uh, How that money gets divided among those three is yet to be seen. And what what do they actually mean is also yet to be seen. But what we really want to be able to see is that we're investing in the highest and greatest impact uh, um, projects to make sure that we are reducing our emissions in the short time that we have for us. There's also a billion dollars announced for training uh, with the lens of being just and an inclusive transition, um, with the idea that everyone can find a place in a clean economy. So, we need to see some strong strategies to make sure that we're supporting workers and communities and integrating marginalized communities in this transition.
0: Canada has a site set on net zero emissions by 2050. I'm still thinking about that stat you shared about retrofitting and just the scale at which we need to make some changes and reforms. Are we on track to meet that 2050 target?
1: Well, Justin Trudeau this morning says we're on track to blow past our 2030 target, but our 2030 target right now is pretty weak. Uh, So it's heartening to hear that Canada is going to be increasing our level of ambition. Uh, I think it's still yet to be seen if we are on track because we need to understand how the government is going to be uh, divvying up these these, uh, amounts that I just described. Um, I think that what we need to ensure is that the path to the short term of 2030 needs to make sure that we're leaving options open uh, open in order for us to meet our 2050 targets. So that means investing in the long term, not thinking about... Does a short term solution like uh, investing in the wrong type of technology that may only be available or useful to us for 10 years, um, then may mean that we're stuck with this kind of technology until 2050 when we could have just leapfrogged over into something that will make sure that we'll have a better chance of seeing us achieve our 2050 goals.
0: A lot of countries and companies, frankly, are focused on that 2050 with those important steps leading up to that target and that date. Is it appropriate? Is it helpful to think that far in advance? And by that, I mean, are we giving ourselves too much time to deal with what really is considered a crisis?
1: I think that's a really good question. And I think that um, it's easy to say oh, we have lots of time until 2050, but like I said, we need to be thinking about what kinds of energy are we investing in, for example. Um, are we investing in renewable energy or or are we investing in a transition fuel? And how long do we think that transition fuel is going to be useful for And or are we actually just prolonging what the transition period looks like? So we need to be uh, quite quick and nimble in the decisions we make, or I should say we should need to be quick and also be nimble, um, knowing that technology is changing quite rapidly and costs of new technology like renewable energy or electrolyzers for green hydrogen, for example, are coming down quite quickly. And we need to weigh that off with what is the capital investment for an incremental or um, intermediate technology.
0: Looking at the federal budget, but also some of the other plans that Canada has previously put in place, would you still consider us to be a global leader when it comes to tackling climate change?
1: I think that in 2015, when we went to Paris, we were seen as a global leader. We were involved in the negotiations to ensure that the parties or to encourage parties to sign on to the agreement that said we will strive towards 1.5 degrees. Um, a lot has changed since then, and uh, I think, in particular, Joe Biden becoming president and coming out strong with his jobs plan that is um, projected to put in trillions of dollars into infrastructure spending, of which clean, clean infrastructure and a green economy is so much part and parcel of of his vision. Um, I think that the U.S. is set to catapult past uh, Canada and hopefully bring along the rest of the rest of uh, the, the big emitters with him.
0: Is there potentially an opportunity that's going to be missed here that Canada was perhaps uh, or was certainly ahead of the U.S. in terms of what it was doing around climate action at one point in time has made investments. But if we're going to be eclipsed by just the sheer volume and amount being invested south of the border, is there a lost opportunity in terms of uh, businesses that could have been or innovation that could have taken place here?
1: I think that's always a risk. I mean, I think that what might what we might end up doing is riding the coattails of the US. There's such a huge economy that, uh, for example, if they're saying we are getting really serious with electric vehicles, that then helps push our manufacturing forward. Our, our, our vehicle manufacturing is so integrated that we could benefit from that. On the other hand, there's a lot of things that we could be and should be capitalizing on um, from a clean tech perspective. Uh, In a global clean tech um, scan of the the companies across the globe, 12 of them were based in Canada and uh, 12 of the top 100 companies were based in Canada. So it's the idea of, um, that, for example, the BC government had of partnering with and supporting small and medium companies to scale up, which is a lot of these clean tech companies. How do we take that knowledge and that innovation and ensure that we are on the global stage? So if we aren't investing in the right things or we're not we're not attracting the right in um, private investment and directing innovation with a certain vision, we could very well miss the bus.
0: And I think too, just scaling up our companies and our technology here to be able to sell to the U.S. market, you need to be at a certain level and at a certain size to really seize that opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Um, Carbon Engineering, which is based in Squamish, is one of those companies that we hear a lot about. Um, They are working in the U.S. and they're working here in Canada. And it's companies like that that we need to be supporting and making sure that we do have our own homegrown success stories, that we are exporting our knowledge, not necessarily our products.
0: A final question for you, Karen, of course, as we've been dealing with the COVID crisis, we also have this climate crisis that preceded it. Is there any learning we can take from how we mobilize to address COVID-19 and apply it to something like the climate crisis?
1: Absolutely. I think that the word that you use, mobilize, is, is one of the key lessons is we have seen how Governments can mobilize the right resources uh, to find a solution if the political will is there. Um, we, we didn't have a vaccine a year ago, and it was unheard of to develop the vaccine as quickly as we have. If we can mobilize that kind of political will and that kind of money behind finding a solution to a significant global problem, can we, we should be doing that for climate as well.
0: Do you get the sense that that movement is starting to come in response to climate? I just think about over the past year, the number of announcements, uh, companies coming out that they're going to be producing all electric cars by such and such a date, new commitments around uh, could be um, divesting in certain portfolios. Uh, Do you feel that that change is starting to happen? and Is it happening quickly enough? There certainly has been a shift in terms of commitments that companies and countries are coming
1: out with. Um, nearly 130 companies or countries around the world have said that they want to be or are committed to becoming net zero. And a lot of big name brands and, and companies that are uh, heavy polluters have also made the same commitment. Uh, so there is that hope. I think what it comes down to is what does netting out to zero look like and what does it actually mean?
0: And uh, I know I said final question, and I just keep coming up with the follow-ups, but do you have a definition in terms of what that should look like? What does netting out or getting to net zero mean?
1: Well, I think a really important part is, or to think about, is making sure that we are, um, first and foremost, doing real reductions at the source of of, um, emissions. So that is number one. Um, And really reducing where we absolutely can reduce our emissions, whether it is switching off of fossil fuels and using clean electricity where wherever possible. And there are a lot of technologies that we can do that already. We can heat our homes with electricity. We have electric vehicles, but there are some really difficult areas that we don't quite yet have the technology. We don't know what the solution might look like that can work everywhere. So heavy duty vehicles, tr- heavy trucks, for example, that's still a puzzle for us. Um, how do we shift uh, processes in industry like steel making, um, so that we're not using fossil fuels. So there is an, a, a cleaner way to make steel and cement, for example. Um, where we don't have those technologies in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, that's that small sliver of fossil fuels that might still be used. That's the part that we need to net out. So we are using carbon capture technology or we're using nature-based solutions. And that, that, to me, is what netting uh, netting zero really means.
0: Thank you for that. And Karen, thanks so much for joining our show with your insight. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. That's Karen Tam Wu, Regional Director for BC with the Pembina Institute. I'm Haley Wooden, and this has been BIV Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Our show will be back with a new episode tomorrow.